It really came down to voiceover for me, and once I tried it, I just fell in love with it. I loved the the flexibility of it, the fact that you could play, you know, a, a young kid or an old man, or you know, you could be like big and broad and talk like a superhero, or you could also just bring it real back down and talk like you're talking to someone next to you. It's got that elasticity that I really appreciate. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to The Ramble Room, brought to you by the Double RA. I'm your host, Ransom, and as I always say, this is a safe place to ramble. My guest today is Mr. Elliot Schiff. He's a voice actor, a husband, a father, and a good friend I've known for some years now. We're in different parts of the country, so we mostly meet up on Zoom, but every time we do, I come away encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Elliot has that amazing gift of being able to make whoever he's talking to feel like the most important person in the world. And he's got one of the brightest outlooks and kindest spirits of anyone I've ever met. I am thrilled to be able to sit down with him today and let you all listen in. Elliot, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are you today? Oh, man, that is such a nice intro. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm, <laughs> now I got to live up to it. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm doing all right. Thank you. Uh, it's It's been an interesting couple of months, you know, with everything going on. But uh, today's been a good day, so I am happy for that. <laughs> awesome, man. We're glad, dude. Good to have you here, brother. It's always good to have you. Thanks for having me. So, as we always do, we begin with the big question. What are you up to in your life right now? And what's the story of how you got there? Um, well, I do primarily voiceover work. Um, I've worked in a bunch of different areas. Uh, luckily, I've been able to to diversify my portfolio as far as the voiceover goes. Um, recently worked on, um, or at least was, at least it was recently released, uh, Harry Potter Magic Awakened, which was oh, nice. really cool to work on. I got to affect a British accent, which was yes. a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> as well as um, Watcher of Realms, which also just came out, which is a completely, completely different kind of character. I played the Lizard King in that one. <laughs> oh man! Oh, wow. um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got. To, I've been able to work in video games. I have a few that I can't really talk about yet. Um, I do a lot of audio description work, which is you know it's cool that we both uh, are in that area a little bit. Um, including working on Succession, The White Lotus, One Tree Hill, as well as some really fun kid stuff like Minnie's Bowtoons, bar several Barbie movies, and uh, uh, Nick News, which I remember watching as a kid. So it's pretty cool to kind of work on that now. Um, and also, I just finished working on an audiobook, which is coming out uh, at the end of the month. It's called The Do More Club by Dana Kramaroff. And it's a really, really beautiful book um, and very appropriate for. Uh, how things are going nowadays with in the world. So uh, I'm excited for that one to come out also. Um, and how did I get here? Oh, let's, you know, long story. I'm from New York originally. I uh, moved out to L.A. in 2007 and lived there for about 14 years. Actually, my my wife and I knew each other from uh, back east. Um, my wife, Sherry Pear, she's a cartoonist. Uh, and she came out for a cartooning event 
in 2009 and it was like a really quick <laughs> we dated for like five months and then got engaged and then got married like eight months later so <laughs> nice. we've been married since uh august we're coming up on our 13th uh anniversary august 2010 congrats and uh got three little kids and uh when my son was born in 2012 was about the time that i really wanted to focus on voiceover and that's really where i kind of jumped in and did a lot of studying as much as i could um, or could afford. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and uh, ultimately that led me here. And then uh, in 2000, uh, 2021, in the summer of 2021, we moved back east. So I'm living in, in uh, northern New Jersey now in Teaneck. So it's it's nice to be back east. You know, my sister lives nearby. So it's great to see her and her husband and the nieces and nephews and my parents and my, my other sister and in-laws and all that. Uh, so that's been really great. Nice. Yeah, I know a lot of people kind of decided that they needed to be somewhere else once uh, all the LA restrictions hit. And I get that, man. It's it's yeah. and it's kind of a wonderful age that we live in that there's that much flexibility to relocate. So and then you can do your job from anywhere, right? Yeah, that was lucky. I mean, I had the booth set up um, before the pandemic, which was a big, big help. I was really able to continue working throughout the pandemic. Uh, granted, I was doing Zoom school with the kids during the day and wasn't working <laughs> until like nine o'clock at night yeah. uh, until around 2 a.m. But... I was able to work and if I got an emergency audition or if something came in that I booked something and, you know, my wife could watch the kids while I was doing the work. So we, we made it we made it work. But being in a two bedroom apartment with the five of us and the youngest being eight months old, that was that mm. was a challenge for sure. <laughs> yes. I know the feeling, my friend. I, yes, I've I'm sure there. you do. <laughs> So what was it about voiceover that kind of attracted you? You know, the the idea of voice acting as opposed to acting on a stage or on a screen. What was kind of that moment of, this is what I want to try? How'd that happen for you? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I did, uh, I did a lot of um, stage work and on-camera stuff before my kids were born. But I felt like once the kids were, I mean, in general, I didn't really connect to on-camera as much. Um, because you're, you're talking to a camera more often than not. You know, and you have to imagine it's a person. And I, I just couldn't really wrap my head around that. Um, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it being on set and it was, you know, fun. But it just was one of those areas I was like, I don't know if this is the best fit. Um, and that came with experience, I guess. But uh, I loved doing uh, theater and improv and sketch comedy. And I even directed some um, back in the day before the kids were born. <laughs> but... <laughs> Once the kids were born, it, you know, it it takes you a lot of time out of the house to do that kind of work. And um, I really didn't have that drive that it, I think you really need to succeed in theater um, and be away from everybody for that long. So it really came down to voiceover for me. And once I tried it, I just fell in love with it. I loved the, the flexibility of it, the fact that you could play, you know, a, a young kid or an old man, or, you know, the fact that you could, um, you could work in so many different genres, like you could be like big and broad and talk like a superhero, or you could also just bring it real back down and talk like you're talking to someone next to you. And so there's some, it's got that elasticity that I really appreciate the different types of genres. And, you know, it's funny because, um, I, I you know, I, I, one of the reasons I, I liked, um, voiceover was for the promos and it's an area that most people don't like they're like oh, no that's you know I go to I want to become a voiceover actor because of cartoons <laughs> but for me I don't know why I just connected with that 
genre in a, in a way. I don't know if it's the musicality or the the specific um, genres, but something about it attracted me. And so I started taking I started taking classes in voiceover early when I moved into LA, but I didn't really focus on it until a bit, a bit later. But I, there's just something about it that I think the fact that you can really connect in so many different areas. Um, and, and for some people, they just stick to one thing and they're great at that and that's great. But for me, I, I like being able to try different things. I don't necessarily want to be doing one thing every single day. If that was the case, I would have stayed in accounting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I love audio drama as well. And I like just, just how you demonstrated, man, you can literally change an entire world with your voice just like that, you know, yeah. like all of a sudden it's every, what someone's seeing in their mind changes instantaneously. I mean, oh, for and, sure. you, and you said you just done an audio book. How was that process? Cause I've, I've heard, you know, these narrators who will generate voices for really each character. It can be really challenging. It really can. I don't, um, I don't do a ton of audiobooks because uh, I feel like, I don't know if I'm, a, if I've ADHD or not. I've never really been tested for it. I, I kind of have a feeling that I do have it, but um, it, it really takes a lot of focus and, you have to be able to do all sorts of accents and characters and all that. Um, for this one, it was a first-person uh, perspective. So I really just played a, I played a young kid for most of it. Um, he was, I think, in like fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, somewhere around there. Um, and so I didn't really have to do a ton of voices for it. Um, it was really a lot of his internal monologue. And actually, the writing is really beautiful because it came... It was as if it was as if he were writing in a journal for a lot of it, uh, or talking about what he was thinking. Um, and so there were times where I had to, you know, speak as if I were another character here and there. But for the most part, it, I kind of just really got to embody this kid, and um, it, it was real. It's a just a beautiful book. So I, I'm glad I got to be a part of it. But most of the books that I've worked on <laughs> have been more like textbook type, or you know. Uh, I just finished a book about um, technology in uh, the medical field and how it's adapting. So it's not exactly, you know, exciting, but it's really informative, um, you know, especially if that's something that you're curious about. You know, I, I thought it was interesting <laughs> and I don't even work in that field. It's <laughs> awesome, man. Now, I've done like minimal and when i say minimal i mean minimal uh voiceover and a little bit of acting training when i was in film school and i am just i'm so deeply impressed by the preparation that it takes to do what you all do um so i'm curious like when you're not on a gig what is your day like do you have do you have routines do you have stretches <laughs> i mean breathing exercises yeah. what, what's I know the routine it sounds there crazy yeah. but there are stretches and there's all sorts of things you do um the truth is i am i'm very fortunate that i'm with a great agent in la i'm with dean panera talent uh and i have other regional agents um like my agent in dc uh, lisa at impressive talent who i love um and i'm also with uh, i have some great managers at acm talent um and so I get a lot of auditions, um, sometimes upwards of 20 in a day. So, wow. um, yeah, it, it can be intense. So I don't really think that I have that downtime that you might be referring to, <laughs> but, um, there are definitely things that I do in the mornings. Um, they, you know, there's, um, there's something that people use, uh, I use a straw for, and it's for phonically, it helps with the vocal cords. So I'll like put a, a straw in my mouth here. I have one here. Let me grab one. I have one here and I'll make these weird sounds, but it really helps, you know, bringing out 
whatever it is in the vocal cords to kind of help them um, vibrate more. And here, I'll do one real quick. And you go up and down and kind of like, it sounds crazy, <laughs> but it really, and you can, you know, like do all sorts of different things, but that's like one of the things I do in the morning, um, especially like when you have that morning crud in your in your throat, you know. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> um, there's that. Um, I'll I'll rub my cheeks and my lips a bit to kind of stretch them out, you know, because they get stiff sometimes. Um, on the esophagus, people can, you can kind of give it a massage to kind of you know loosen it a bit. Um, and the idea is just to kind of relax, you know, in much of the way that uh, like a pitcher will stretch before a baseball game, or you know, an athlete will do whatever they need to do before that they before they get out and uh, perform in whatever way they're performing. Um, so yeah, there are definitely things to do for sure. Um, am I always the best at doing them? Not always, <laughs> but I I do try to remind myself to do them as often as possible, especially when you have a vocally um, a tough uh, like when I did the the one I mentioned earlier the uh, the Lizard King. Oh yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of this and using the back Oof. of the throat, Oof. and so I had to make sure to warm up before and then cool down afterwards. Yeah, because um, that can really cause um, some damage. And fortunately, the person I was working with, the director, um, was was very conscious, and we had a very short session because of it. <laughs> um, but I was able to maintain it. It was just they're, they're like, just save the screaming for when you need to do the screaming. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's funny. I've I've had that experience in reading books to the kids. Like I'll just wing it and pick this really difficult voice, and then I realize like, oh no, this is the antagonist. Oh yeah, this is going to be yep. on every page. Yep, I had that <laughs> with an audio book, and it was disaster. <laughs> No. Yeah, like, the things you learn over time, you know, it's just yeah. an experience thing. Yeah, but it's a, it's a lot of fun though. It's so rewarding, I have to imagine. Oh, and for sure. You're right. And the voice box is a muscle. I I think people forget that. We just we talk all the time, but someone in your field or someone obviously does does what I do is speaking. Like we really notice when our voice is weird or when it's at its best and it's like if you can yep. duplicate that, that's I mean, you need that for your career. Yeah, I had a cold last week and it just knocked me out for a few days. I still hear it in my voice. It's not as, you know, noticeable to other people probably at this point, but I notice it because I know when I'm not at 100%. Um, so it, it's a weird thing that, uh, you know, you get very in tune with certain, I guess, parts of your body when you when you use them more often, you know? Yeah. Do you have any like uh, magic bullets for those moments when you're like, I have a job, I have to make it sound like close? Because I've heard couple of podcast hosts and then one voiceover uh, voice actor that I used to work with a lot when I was in marketing who some days they come on and you're like, that dude has a cult, yeah. but <laughs> they, they tuned it up somehow so that it's like 80, 90% and it's, and it's usable. Like, what do you do in that situation? It really depends. I mean, there are some, I mean, I've, I've not done this, but I've heard of Broadway actors who will take a, like a steroid injection to help them get through a performance. The truth is, if I ever really feel that terrible, I will usually reach out to the client and be like, listen, <laughs> yeah. I want to give you the best product possible. I feel like garbage. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to do this right now. It'll it'll not sound great and it won't help anyone. Um, but more often than not, if you can push through it, um, you just do. It just depends on uh, how quickly they need the uh, the recording done. Yeah, I mean, you guys are like athletes, really. It's like if an athlete has a bold hamstring, they got to sit the game out. So yeah, that's so interesting, right? It's it's things yeah, you just don't think about. There are definitely times where it's like, yeah, I can't. Like last week on, I think it was, 
I started feeling lousy on Tuesday and on Wednesday and Thursday, I just, I could not work. I just had to take it easy. And, you know, it was just my body's way of saying, okay, you know, you could push through it, but it's going to take you longer to heal. Yeah. So with the accents that you do, I imagine some of the characters just kind of spring fully formed into your head. Has there ever been a time when you really had to think through and sort of develop a voice to match the character you imagined? Yeah, often. Um, I mean, it really depends on what you're working on, but more often than not, you don't get a visual um, of the character. Sometimes for animation, they do have it, or video games, they do have it. But very often, you'll just get um, random lines. Uh, and so you kind of just have to make it work. Um, but you know, I'm from the East coast. So like, you know, putting on a New York accent is kind of natural for me. <laughs> Not that hard to do. You know, <laughs> it, it really just, uh, it depends. And I'm also from Long Island. And so oh, from yeah. Long Island, you can kind of, it's slightly different, but you know, it's there. Um, so yeah, there are certain things that just come a little bit more naturally. Um, but yeah, when I had to do, uh, I played a character named Milo, and he would um, enchant brooms. So Milo he was in charge of enchanting the broomsticks, and I had to learn how to speak specifically with a very specific British accent called received pronunciation, which is RP. And so, uh, you know, in order to speak with that specific accent, you really do have to um, listen to all the quirks and uh, hear the parts that are are used or hit more more strongly or not used at all like like the r's are not often used however you know if it comes to a point where you're just kind of um where where you use an r at the end of a word and then at the beginning of the next word then you'll hit it so it's kind of a weird yeah there's certain quirks to it um so yeah I, i there's um also a really great database called uh, IDEA, the uh, International Dialects of English Archive. Dude. And they have recordings of all sorts of people from all different backgrounds who are uh, who have recorded in their natural speaking voice in English. So you can find some someone from Germany who might speak like this, you know, or you might find, you know, I, you know, I also spend time in Israel. So um, I know the the accent. Um, uh, it, they they use little uh, sounds like this when they speak, and and you also hear where they speak from. Because in Israel they speak more, and I think also in Arabic countries they, they use more of a chest sound. In England they tend to use the mouth mole, so yeah. you'll hear them using those teeth a lot more than you might have. And it, it also depends on where you are in England. And England has like 5 million <laughs> different oh, yeah. dialects. Dude. So maybe we shouldn't go specifically into that area. But yeah, yeah I find that, yeah, listening and um, immersing yourself. Sometimes I'll just watch a British show or um, a show that comes from a different country just to kind of get my ear around it. Um, and then um, YouTube. YouTube is very helpful. But finding the right ones on YouTube. I was just looking for someone who did a, a Yiddish accent and it was one of the worst ones I've ever heard. And I was just like, five Ooh. million views. And no. everybody commented on it below. They're like, oh, no. this isn't Yiddish. <laughs> like, I was like, I didn't feel the need to add my own two cents there, but yeah. you know, 
It was interesting. Dude, that's fast. Is that database that you mentioned like open for anyone to use? Yeah, it's a website. Uh, you just, awesome. it's, I think it's just, I don't know if it's idea.com or, you know what, let me, let me look real quick. I was going to say, we'll just... put that in the show notes, everybody. That sounds fascinating. I, like, I could yeah. use that. I could really it's, use it. It's, it's called, um, oh, here it is. It's dialectsarchive.com. Nice. Look for the and link in the has, show notes, everybody. Yeah, it has dialects from all different areas. So Africa, Asia, Australia, Caribbean, Central America, Europe, East, uh, Middle East, North America, and South America. So, you know, if you're looking for something from, let's say, you know, Southern America, like Georgia or something like that, you could probably find that there. But you can also find accents from South America that, you know, you know, maybe something that you need to use for a project that you're working on that you might not have. Um but also, oftentimes, they, they will uh, cast now more appropriately. So that's not likely that I'll probably have to use <laughs> an accent from that area. But, yeah. you know, they may ask for um, the French accent or, you know, something else, you know, here and there. So it's interesting. And it's a fantastic check to have. I think a lot of us think that we can do certain accents. And then oh, we'll there's some stack that are so against. difficult yeah. for certain people. I yeah. have such a hard time. I can do them if I practice it enough, but there are some people who are who are great at the Scottish accent. But I find that when I do it, I sound or or, or, or the Irish accent. I have to practice them because I don't want to yeah. sound like a leprechaun. Like I yeah. don't want to sound like the Lucky Charms guy. I if you want to, I mean, there are people who might sound like that in you know Ireland, but yeah. the vast majority of people don't have that accent. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the Lucky Charms guy. We're not trying no, to get No, no, nothing on, wrong with that. Wrong but, side of general you know, here. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure so, the cereal is delicious, but... <laughs> yes, it's it's something. I'll say that. It's something. Um, so for someone <laughs> for someone who might be considering this this career of voiceover, just thinking about voice acting and, and what they can do with their voice, especially because you know I have, I have other podcast friends who are listening to this. They work in this medium. Is there any advice you might give them if, if they're looking into to doing that more, making that more of their creative output, what, what kind of things should they be thinking about and kind of maybe pitfalls to watch out for? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting time um, at the moment, especially, especially given the SAG, uh, SAG-AFTRA and uh, Writers Guild strikes. Mm. It, it, you have to really be careful with um, what you're submitting on and uh, you know who's going to use things for what. Um but before I get into that, because I do want to talk more about that, um, the biggest advice I would say is just to be persistent because you have to go for things in this industry. I know some people who were phenomenal, phenomenal actors, but never really got anywhere because you have to be consistently reaching out to people and marketing and sharing what you can do with people. Um, it, it's a crazy industry because it doesn't necessarily reward the most talented um, it might reward someone who's more persistent and has gotten the attention of people. Now, that's not to say that the people who are successful are not talented. More often than not, they are. Um, but oftentimes, people become more successful. And I, myself included, if you listen to some of my stuff earlier on, it, it, I think it's terrible. Um, but you <laughs> get better a, as you go si- along. You know, it's that's a sign of growth, is. man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I would say be persistent and be willing to learn. Um, be constantly um, listening to what other people are doing and um, look for areas where you might fit better into than other areas. Like audiobooks, I I said it before, I've done a few, but I don't feel like it's necessarily the area that I have 
focused my time because I just haven't felt like I'm as comfortable doing it. However, that doesn't mean that I, I wouldn't pursue it or do it. Um, for me, I've just felt more comfortable in character work or um, uh, with promos or other areas that I had to learn were good fits for me and my my personality and my voice. Because you think of, you think of promos, especially growing up, there were like a lot of times, you know, they were like coming up next on blah blah blah, and I was like, I don't know if I can do that. But over time, you kind of you learn. Oh well, yeah, my voice does fit this sort of area, um, and that comes from practice and and learning and finding really great teachers. Um, you know, I, I've had some really amazing teachers over the years. Um, but, um, anyway, getting back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, you know, with the strike and all that, it's super important to be aware, um, of where your voice is going. Um, when you're auditioning, when you're, um, working with a company, you have to know, uh, that your voice is going to be used only on a specific project and it's not going to be taken without consent and used on other things. Yeah, because there's a lot of that going on right now. It's really scary. When, so what, um, you're probably about to get into this, but like the AI duplication that they can do now yeah. is, is mind boggling. It's unreal. It really is. And I was just watching a video. Um, it, the, gosh, give me one second. I think her name was, and she's a fairly well-known voice actress, uh, Melissa Medina. She posted this really, really great um, video about, it's called AI for VAs. Hmm. So it's, it's a great video. I was just watching it. And um, it, it, she goes into detail, without judgment, but goes into detail about how things are used and why things are used certain ways and things you should be aware of. And so it's it, it's really important to be aware um, what you are auditioning for, who you are auditioning for, where that technology is going to go. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of NAVA, which is the National Association of Voice Actors. I haven't, no. Yeah, there. It's it's a great organization. My my friend uh, Tim Friedlander started it, uh, along with Karen Gilfrey and, and a bunch of other amazing voice talent. Um, it's an it's a group that um, does a lot of outreach and and uh, education, as well as um, uh, it, it has a lot of information about um, AI. And they actually have what's called an AI rider. Which can be a pro, uh, which can be attached to a contract, so that it says certain things about how AI will be used or how your voice will be used, um, you know, and and how it's per project and how you'd have to. I mean, you you can go onto the website and uh, I, I can give you that afterwards to also add to the notes. Yeah, we'll um, link to it. That that sounds really valuable. Yeah, it's it's a great great resource, um, and if they they aren't really meant for people who are first starting exactly, but people who have had a little bit of experience uh, are eligible to join it. Um, and you can also get uh, health insurance through them if you are working in voiceover. Oh, so wow. it's it's really great. Um, yeah, Tim worked really, really hard along with the entire board of NAVA to really make something amazing. So uh, kudos to them. And they're really, if you look up um, uh, AI and uh, voiceover, uh, they're on the forefront of that. Uh, I think they just had a panel at Comic-Con uh, with a bunch of other great actors, uh, Zeke Alton, uh, uh, Lindsay Rousseau, um, a few other people. Um, and uh, they, they spoke about it and how important it is to really uh, to really step up right now uh, and protect actors because if we don't do it now, it's just 
it's it's going to be a really really steep decline in the arts very yeah, I mean, very quickly it, it's like now is the time i think adobe already had this kind of voice duplication software maybe five to ten years ago and mm-hmm. someone people were throwing up red flags but now it's just like so obvious you know it's if because if a, like a voice actor does even just a little bit of work and legally the company can take it and just do a bunch of pickups that they don't have to pay the voiceover actor for that's just that's not right so and that's just the tip of it i mean i know some people who just had their voices stolen and used in a mod of a video game um and they were saying awful things or oh, really no. sexual things and and Ooh. these are things that the people hadn't recorded they just had their voice taken and someone put it through one of these ai generators and yeah, I, I, that's the biggest concern. Like, I would hate it if someone took my voice and used it for something like racist or you yeah. know anti Dude, anyone. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, it, it would just be awful. I mean, yeah. I just can't even imagine. Um, that that's the problem. You can't even imagine what they might use it for. Yeah, they could use it for anything. It's yeah. scary, man. Yeah, and that's why hopefully this Nava Rider, if you attach it, um, it will help protect you to some degree. And if you work on union projects, um, SAG-AFTRA also is putting protections into place. So hopefully they'll do the same for writers with the WGA. Yeah, it's, we got to be – now's the time to figure it out. I think – I was talking to another another guest about this. Like AI is, is kind of inevitable in some ways, but now's the time to put the guardrails up. Exactly. Put some really strong protections over it. So I'm – you know, we're recording this as the strikes are still going on. We'll see. Hopefully they're done by the time it comes out, but who knows? Um, that would be lovely. Yeah, right. WGA <laughs> is going to talk with AMTP, AMPTP again tomorrow, supposedly. We'll see if it goes better oh, this good. time. Yeah. Um, but so. Yeah. Yeah. You would think so. I think I think the companies are finally kind of getting the idea like, oh. Well, because they realize that, yes, they wanted to starve us out. But I think we're all used to working gig <laughs> jobs to survive. We're already so starving. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's it's not a tactic that's going to work this time. No. Nope. This is one of those times where we have to stand up now or it's it's going to be really 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 bad for us in the long run. And and I think that most actors and writers know that. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's, it's clear, the, yeah. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. That's a great segue to another thing I wanted to ask you about. Writing on the wall, right? Um, <laughs> you and I are mutual friends with another Ramble Room guest, Mr. Arnon Shore, uh, who actually, yes. you actually introduced me to. Great he's guy. A good guy. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, like yourself, he's an Orthodox Jew. And one thing I've always wanted to ask you about, because I mean it when I say uh, that you're a great person, you have a great spirit, your outlook is so optimistic. I sense this, this rich depth of story sense that I, I imagine to myself comes from that tradition that 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 outlook that kind of broad humanity that you have and i wanted to ask is am i reading that right is that something that you really draw from your faith or is it something you kind of balance i mean if you could talk about that man i'd love to listen i think it's some combination of that for sure because i i think in any religion there's some element of storytelling right i mean when you have you have the bible or you know the torah or the quran or whatever it is there there are elements of um of storytelling in them. I mean, yes, there are rules and other things that we learn from them, but um, I I think that 
that definitely informed me as a kid for sure. Um, and and that's I think part of the reason why I love mythology so much. I mm. love it when someone creates something that has a whole world built around it. You know, like um, Tolkien or I don't know um, what's it called from uh, Game of Thrones. You know, like oh, yeah. I love the fact that they know this person begot that person and this person <laughs> lived till this year and like all that stuff is so fascinating to me. And I think. Part of the reason for that is because growing up, I mean, we had, you know, the the 10 generations of the flood from, you know, from Noah to Abraham. And like you would see these people lived. I can picture it in my head. This the page from the Humash, which is the um, the the um, biblical uh, Torah written uh, as opposed to on a scroll um, it has the five books of the Torah. And um, I can picture in my head that that image of uh, the timeline. Uh, in one of the areas where the commentary was said, this person lived from this person this year to that year, and and you know in the Humash, um, which is a uh, you know it's a book, um, you have commentaries included in all that. You know the, there's <laughs> it's 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 fascinating because so there's the Torah, which you know is the the actual written verse and then you have all the commentary around it and there's a lot of commentary which is called the midrash you know and so all of that stuff is where you get a lot of the stories <laughs> that come you're like wait a minute it doesn't actually say this anywhere in the torah <laughs> but um yeah i mean that stuff to me was always so interesting um you know where they fill in the blanks because there's a lot of blank spots in in you know when did this happen or where did that happen and how did we get from here to there um you know, and so I think that definitely informed my storytelling as a kid because I'm like, okay, well, you know, you need to know these people. You know, this things these things happen to these people, but in the background, you also have to know, okay, well, this was going on and that was going on, and you know, and so that definitely helped um, help me, I think, learn about writing. Um, and as an actor, it was interesting because we had to, as a kid, you're you're really taught the very basics. You're taught like this person went to here or this and you're not really taught all the different things. But then when you start to get older, you start to really revisit it and look at them as real people as opposed to just stories. And that's where you start to be like, oh, okay, now I understand a little bit more why they made that decision. Why did Abraham say that Sarah was his sister as opposed to his wife? It didn't really (laughs) make sense. And you realize, oh, he was probably they were probably going to be in danger (laughs) if he didn't say that, you know. And so, um, and you know, motivations and and just kind of bringing them to real life. That's the sort of stuff that I find um, definitely informed me as an actor. But I will say, um, you know, I, I think they've both kind of helped flesh out the other. You know, acting has kind of helped me, you know, understand the human condition, you know, like understand why people do the things that they do or how they do the things. Um, And I mean, part of that is just being a person. (laughs) But part of that is, you know, you know, living living your life with these different stories in the background and and understanding why one thing led to another Um, and and why people make these mistakes uh, or why they they avoided the mistakes that they avoided. So so to me, it kind of, it's, you know, they, they call it a living document because it is being still taught and it is um, being still expounded upon. I mean, there are, you, you can go online and find all sorts of, you know, people commentating or giving their understanding of, of what these things are or applying it to um, the different things that are going on nowadays. 
You know, there are laws for things that didn't exist <laughs> during the <laughs> time right. of Moses, right? I mean, electricity right, yeah. didn't exist back then, but there are still laws about all that. Um, so it is a, you know, a living document. And I do wonder if the rabbis will take up the issue of AI. I wonder if, it, if it'll be considered stealing or not. Yeah. Um, the Pope, you know, the Pope I, mentioned it the other day. So did like, he or, really? You know, yeah, he did. He talked what about it. I mean, it was, it was like an introduction to something he was about to say, but just talking about the nature of humanity and the kind of the the potential dangers of something like AI. And then he just kind of moved on. But of course, the article mm. clickbait title was like, Pope addresses the AI controversy. <laughs> Yes, like one as sentence, all clickbaity but... titles are. Yeah. Um, but I do <laughs> I do agree that AI can be dangerous, but I think it could be used in a in a, a good way as well. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about audio description. There are certain um things that it, it will help with for let's say example, reading a newspaper. Mm. You're not gonna hire an actor to read a newspaper every day. It just isn't going to happen. So they have text to speech right now, which is, you know, hard to listen to. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's like this happened and that happened and whatever. But um, but ultimately, if they use uh, if they hire, let's say, an actor to have their voice recorded and then um, apply it to reading the newspaper to people, it might help people who are blind be able to understand things a little bit better. Um you know, that that's not to say that it should be used in audio description for movies or TV because personally or theater even or other areas, because I feel like there you need somebody to give the piece soul. You need to really um, match. I, I, I've used this word before when I was teaching, but match the vibe. And I, yeah. I know that's a very vague term, but it really it's just an essence or, you know, the genre that you're narrating to. It's important that you have somebody who can really do a good job of not taking the viewer out of the story. Yeah. You know, and so that, that I really don't feel like AI should be used for that sort of thing. Um, and certainly until now, the the AI that has been used has been terrible and people complain <laughs> about it all the time. I know. The problem is when that's your only source of, of entertainment and that's your only way of enjoying something, you know, you kind of have to settle, which is not okay because, you know, they wouldn't just put out half-baked, you know, visuals for a Marvel movie, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no reason why they should be putting out half-baked audio description for it either. And that's not to say that they do. I, I think they do hire actors for Marvel movies. I just wanted to make a parallel there. Um, but there are certain shows and movies uh, that people can't watch. And there's such a, like, there's a large portion, it's like 10%. Of America, so that's like 30 million oh, people wow. that are blind or visually impaired. So it's not like just some small group. There's there are a lot of people who who utilize this and who need it. So it really, I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable to me that it hasn't been regulated some more to the point where it's you know it has to be done for every show. You know, I understand like it's hard to go back and do the old stuff, but. Now, I, I do that sometimes, though. I'll go back and I'll do movies from, I mean, some really old movies that are actually unbelievable visual stories. And it's just like, it's like writing an audiobook. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah. there's no dialogue for 10 minutes. Oh, oh. man. I did a show called um, Keep Breathing. It's on mm. Netflix. And it was literally a woman crashes. Like she's on, she's in a, a, like a three, a two person, three person airplane. And they crash into a forest area. And she's, she's the only survivor, basically. And it's just she's not talking to anyone, so it's all description. <laughs> uh, and that was that was not an easy project to work on, but oh, it was man. it was really well done. It was just you know 
a lot of talking. <laughs> I was like, I'm tired of my voice. I don't think other people <laughs> want to hear me anymore. I was when I watched, uh, and there right now, I hope it again, I hope it all, like you said, I hope it develops and continues to be something that improves, whether it's AI or actors, uh, because every now and again, you'll hear some, some audio description that is just not good, or it's just really uneven. Um, and it sounds like, you know, some guy in his basement in, in a bad way. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of voiceover actors will work at home, but they have a good setup. It's clean. It's clear. They do a good job. Um, so yeah. And that's why you feel bad for people who are depending on that to experience the movie. And it's just poor quality. Yeah. Yeah. I, and unfortunately in a lot of places, there isn't really quality control. There are some places that do a good job with the quality control, but there are times where, you know, you know, you, like you said, you listen to it and you're just like, oh man, I wish that they had just brought that person into a studio to do it, or I wish that person had direction, or I wish they didn't use text-to-speech. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, I do I do some clients that are where it's digital, and so you're writing for a computer voice, and it's really funny how tricky that can get to get it to say it the way you want it to say it. There I was going to say, ooh, that must very, be hard as a writer. It, it can be funny. And sometimes you just can't get it to do it the way you want, and it sounds weird. But a lot of times you can do tricks to get it to, like, you're tricking the computer into saying two words as two different words oh, and then it's like it's smoother and so and that's fascinating so you know because it's it's not like there are always talent available to do it right so like you said ai somehow has to has to be a part of it but there need to be strong guardrails i'm available yeah, hire exactly. me exactly everybody you hear this <laughs> we'll get his number in the show notes uh, <laughs> speaking speaking of ai and you know the current state of the world I've always wanted to kind of ask you this question. Whenever we're chatting, it's just about life, right? But you're, sure. you seem like such a sane person and so oh, grounded. that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> well, you put on a great act then. There you go. Um, but like, how do you feel about the state of the world today, man? Does it seem as crazy to you as it does to me? Does it feel like we're teetering on the edge of something? Or are you just like, you know what? It just, it always feels that way. And we're just, that's how we feel because we're in the moment of it. What do you think, man? I think, I think it's some combination of those two things. I definitely think that we're more aware of things than we were in the past because, you know, you hear about things all over the place now that you may not have, you know, 15, 20 years ago even, not even that long ago. But with the internet being, you know, having connected us in the way that it has, I think we hear about bad things all the time. And, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that's really, really scary out there. I mean, we we can just start talking about climate change and all the hatred that's around in the world. And it's just... It, it is scary stuff, um, but I try not to dwell, I guess, on the scary stuff and try to change what I can change, you know? Mm. Um, th- I mean, there are people who like to live in fear, I guess, to some degree. You know, there are certain <laughs> certain programs and certain <laughs> things that people put on that rile them up, and I'm just like, yeah, I man. would not put that on ever. Yeah, it's like, Certainly why not go before there? bed. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Or the first thing when you wake up, like, man, why go there oh, right no, away? No, you know? I'll look at the news a couple times a day, but like I, I usually will just kind of skim the headlines to see what's happening. And unless it's something that I really, really need to know about or want to see about, I, I just feel like it can be really detrimental to your mental health, especially if you're forever hearing about the awful things that are going on in the world. And, you know, and, and that's not to say to bury your head in the sand and ignore it, but um, there have to be times and places where, like, I have to have a clear head sometimes when I'm getting in the booth. You know, like, I can't come in with the heaviness if I'm if I'm going to play a wacky character. You know, it just it isn't going to do justice to the character or anyone at that point. So yeah. there are times where I kind of just have to, like, 
decompress a little bit before I can do something. Um, but yeah, you know, it's also helped, um, my wife's family and my wife herself, they're all runners. Um, so Ah. I've been trying to get back into that a bit this summer. Um, and that, that really does help to clear my mind a bit. Um, although, although I, I've been listening to podcasts here and there, so that, (laughs) that doesn't always help with clearing mind, but it, it definitely can be, uh, helpful to, to ruminate on certain things as, as I'm running. Yeah. And I mean, all the endorphins that you get from that, it's weird how, and I'm sure you just experienced this as a, as a father and a husband and, and a professional. I mean, we all do. Sometimes it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You have a peace. Sometimes yeah. everything's fine and you have all kinds of angst and you're like, what, what's going on? And I mean, I yeah. think sometimes it comes down to that, that physical activity. And I think also, you know, like you mentioned, kids, you know, when you're around the kids, you also don't want to bring that negativity to them, you know. And and so there are times where, you know, you have to keep things inside or whatever, or you can talk to them about certain things that are going on in the world and be like, listen, this is happening. You know, this is a way to look at it that might be, you know, a little bit healthier or, you know, just be aware that these things are happening. Mm. You know, having uh, grown up Jewish and always wearing a kippah, you know, a yarmulke on my head. Um, it, it, it was not scary growing up, but I feel like nowadays things, you have to be a little bit more aware of things. Um, that's not to say that you should walk around scared or take off the kippah. But, you know, to me, it's um, just just knowing things are happening, just being aware of your surroundings. And, you know, if you're in an area where, you know, people might not be as accepting, uh, just, you know, just be aware, you know? And so that's something that I feel like even growing up, you kind of had to be aware. Like, I, I feel like as a kid, my parents, and it could be just residual, um, you know, from from residual trauma from, you know, grandparents and great-grandparents and things. But, like, growing up, the first thing that we were told to do was, you know, you got to get a passport. You have to. Because, wow. God forbid, you got to run. You Dude. have to. Have, my kids all have passports. We did it right wow. away, like months after they were born, because, you know, that's what happened in Europe. So many people got stuck and they couldn't get out. Um, my grandma actually um, was one of the few people she she kept going every day uh, for a visa. And finally, the guy who was there, like after months, said, Mrs. Schiff, here is your visa. I never want to see your face again. Wow. And they left. They got out. My my grandma, my grandpa, my 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 oma, my opa, and uh, my uncle. Mm. They they got wow. out. That's staggering, man. I mean, it's like, and people in your community, that's not that far back. That's amazing. No, man. no. My, my wife's grandma will be 100, God willing, in a few months. <sighs> and her husband, who my son is named after, um, survived survived the Holocaust. He watched two brothers beaten to death in front of him, but he survived. Um, wow. You know, because he, you know why? Because he could make shoes. He grew up, his father had a shoemaking company and he was able to make shoes. So, you know, life can be random sometimes, but um, this isn't that far removed, but at, at the same time, it's important, you know, to remind people of it because the people who did survive are 
older and there are not that many left at this point. So sorry to go down that rabbit hole, but, um, no, that dude, it's, it's absolutely anything is on the table here. And I actually, that makes me want to ask him, you know, for someone with that kind of, uh, around them, like how does, how does your faith kind of guide you through that? Cause there's, I mean, this, the richness of your tradition and the richness of the history brought into the modern context, uh, I would assume would produce the same richness. And I mean, is that, do you think that's part of, like I said, how, how you find peace, how you find this optimism? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think part of it is, is just, like I said before, being aware, like we growing up though, I don't remember there being high security at the synagogues the way that they are now. I think that happened because of the tree of life mm. shooting fears back. Yeah, um, man. And and so we are growing up. My my kids are growing up in a in a different world than I grew up in. Um, so I, I don't know if maybe that didn't affect me in the same way that it's going to affect them. I don't even know. Um, but I do think having the community around, um, having that connection to people around you who you know are there for you no matter what, um, I I think that has definitely helped. Um, to kind of assuage some of that, the um, some of the fear and doubt, you know, like when we moved to the community here, everybody was so friendly and came over and introduced themselves, and you know, it, it's the area that we're in is a small area, um, so the people in our immediate community were, were just like so welcoming and so friendly, um, you know, and that in large part comes from the way that everyone connects to one another and, and you have that commonality, even if you didn't grow up in the same state, you have the commonality of, of, you know, a similar background, um, you know, and knowing the same tunes to the same songs, I guess, you know, in synagogue Hmm. and just that, that connection, that, that automatic community that kind of is there. Um, and so that, that definitely helps with it. And one of the nice things about, um, being in in Teaneck or my kids are upstate by my in-laws in the Catskills for the summer with my wife um yeah I go back and forth but the the point is just that they have those areas the those communities that they can run around in and and be around other kids who are like them and understand them um I, I think that combination plus you know the fact that I I do work in in industry that um, although there's this conception that like Jews run Hollywood and all the Jews, whatever, um, <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. you know, it, that probably existed back in like the forties and fifties because Jews weren't allowed to do anything else. Um, <laughs> but, um, nowadays it's, it's much more vibrant, um, than, you know, that. So we get to know other people from other communities. And I think the getting to know people aspect of it, you know, having people over for a Shabbat meal, um, which we did a lot of in LA. I, I think that also helped with my kids to kind of help normalize the ideas of diversity for them. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I think some combination of those things, um, you know, plus the religious aspects of, you know, these are the days that are the holy days that we're all going to be together. And these are, you know, certain days we're going to spend with family and certain days we're going to have community members over. And I think all of that comes together to really, um, help shape us and 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 keep that i don't know if it's optimism but you know the hope of of good things alive 
That is beautiful, man. Seriously, I could just sit with you and Arnon and just like listen. Arnon is a great, <laughs> great storyteller. I love I love chatting with yes, him. He's great. I know, man. Seriously. And it's no wonder he's running a comics imprint now. It's like, that makes sense. I, that yeah, tracks. actually, my wife and I worked with him on something. We did a, a Hanukkah com- uh, comic that came out last December, I think it was. Um, and he helped edit it. It was it was really fun to work on. It was this uh, short six page, I think, comic, but it was really fun. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, like I said, I could listen to you talk for hours and hours, <laughs> but we're running out of time here. We're kind of actually at the end. Uh, so as we always do, we like to ask one question. What's one piece of wisdom that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Ooh. Can I give two quick ones? <laughs> Absolutely. We're not limited to one. Um, You know, my, my favorite thing growing up or even as we got older was Mr. Rogers. And I, I always loved the phrase that he used to look for the helpers. That to me always stuck with me because no matter all the craziness we talked about in the world, there are always people who are there to help. There are people who want good to happen. So, you know, I guess that's why, you know, when you'd mentioned the optimism, that's kind of what's helped my, my optimism is, you know, even when there are these terrible things happening, you always have someone trying to do the right thing. And I think it's important that we keep keep that in mind and we keep doing that. We keep aiming for that. You know, my goal is really to help and, and largely through what my wife was doing with her cartooning was to, to bring joy and happiness to people through entertainment. Um, you know, and that was something that, that really had an impact on me um, through her work and, and through Mr. Rogers. The other thing I want to bring up is also there are times where I get so overwhelmed and I like get scared and, and can't like, you know, handle the work that I have or certain things or you know life in general and I think there was this moment on Lost where you know uh, Jack who's one of the lead characters he said that he would feel the fear for a few seconds and then do it anyway and that to me was so helpful because I would let myself get overwhelmed and then I wouldn't do anything Um, and then when when I thought okay maybe it's not just about not getting afraid it's about being okay to be afraid for a little while and then moving on from it. Oh, that's so good, man. See, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Thank you so much, man. That is beautiful wisdom. It's absolutely, absolutely true. Like just got to move ahead and having that optimism certainly helps. So dude, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Uh, Hopefully we'll have you on again no, sometime when the strike is over and we can talk about yes. the good times that are ahead, All I guess. All the fun but... stuffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get more information uh, so that people can find you, find the projects that you're working on, and enjoy your fine craftsmanship that you do with your voice. But uh, for now, we'll let you go. And again, thank you so much for coming on, Elliot. Sure, and thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Totally, bro. Have a good one. Peace. You too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Such amazing wisdom from Ellie. Look for the helpers. They're there. If you look, you can find them. And then feel the fear and then go forward anyway. Ah, such good stuff, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for blessing us with your mellifluous voice and just spot on wisdom. And for those of you listening out there, if you enjoyed it as much as I did, please do subscribe and share, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're on. It really helps people find the show and just discover these amazing nuggets of truth that you might need right at a certain moment. And hey, if I can be part of that, if the show can be part of that, that's what I want to do. 
So thank you in advance for sharing. Now, if you loved it so much that you want to give us some concrete support, just head to that last link in the show notes. It says support. You can click on through that and it'll show you a few ways you can help us keep doing what we're doing here. If you want to reach out to me, you can head to revenantalien.com contact, or you can find me on Twitter, or I guess X, and Instagram, and also Medium. Just search for at a revenant alien and look for the logo. I'm not that hard to find. I'm also pretty active on Good Pods, so if you're on that platform, whether as a podcast listener or another podcaster, give me a shout. If you have a show, I'd love to take a listen and give it a rating and review as well. And as always, if you're feeling some fear and looking for some help and a way forward, I hope you'll check out revenantalien.com searchers. What you'll find there is the best help I know. And even if you've heard it before, I hope you'll consider it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you next time. Here at the Ramble Room. <laughs>